Welcome to Sir, I'm going to need you to stand on your mark. The only podcast who's fine right here. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 1, Episode 7 of House of Cards. saying this week it's this this long endless i'm so used to saying this week you can't stop me now this long endless day it is it's been house of cards yeah uh shit storm of podcasting (laughs) (laughs) and it's not about to stop so let's get on to this episode shall we yes all right uh i don't have a whole lot to say about this one it seems very straightforward like there's a lot of stuff that happens in this episode Mm -hmm. um with you know, Brousseau and Stamper and Hookers and yeah, there's not really a, there's not really a signature moment. Yeah, like it, there did, has it been just felt weeks. like a progress of the plot mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was looking at this kind of as a season and thinking of shows that I like that kind of make callbacks to uh, episodes before uh, that they've already done. And this show doesn't seem to do a lot of that. It seems to be a lot of like linear progress to the storyline. Yeah, and even the shots that they did that were arty don't seem to show a purpose. Like, it's really nice to see the episode open with them juxtaposing the setup of the AA meeting with the setup of the Oval Office press conference. It was cool, but it didn't mean anything. Those events aren't really connected. And then at the end where uh, Frank and Zoe are, well, you know, Frank's pleasuring Zoe while she's talking to her dad... They then pan out to the spider trapped in the glass. But again, that I don't think. Yeah, I want to say maybe we're just missing it. And if this weren't an instant cast, we would have some time to think about it. And Okay, you know, so in that in, in that glass. All right. Is that represent, is Peter Russo represent the spider? So what is the spider and what he's, is the glass? He's trapped in his, his secrets and lies. Sure. Um, is Zoe trapped by Kevin's tongue? The spider is the glass Zoe's vagina, and the spider is <laughs> Frank's tongue. Is the glass Frank, and the spider is Frank's secrets that he kind of likes keeping? I don't know, man. I really don't know. I haven't. Obviously, we haven't not. Had I just don't time think there's think any there. There. That's what I'm saying. It's like I yeah, always yeah. I, those shots are cool when they uh, are coolest and and use the best effect when they actually tell us something. You know, they're they're using these visuals. To communicate mm-hmm. something subtextual, and I just don't think that there's anything there. There, yeah. So there are two. I guess not even subtext in this episode. Um, one is where he says generosity is its own form of power, um, and he's trying to throughout this episode, I think, and through um, actually last episode as well, uh, or not last episode, a couple episodes ago, he's trying to teach Zoe how to manipulate people, how to kind of get what she wants by being nice to people sometimes when they right. need it, you know. Right. Um, that's the first one. And the second one, there at the end, he does this big monologue and narrative about um, how everyone has secrets, and that's kind of the thing that keeps him going as uh, the person that he is. He mm. needs those secrets. Right. And I don't know where that fits into the puzzle here. Um, it seems like it was just kind of something for him to explain that, you know, she's keeping secrets from her dad. He's keeping secrets from her. She's keeping secrets from him. But he's um, also, the other thing is he's also kind of wrong. 
Like, this is the first time where in his monologue he's saying stuff that we as the audience know is factually incorrect. He thinks that she's hiding this affair from him. And the reality, this, uh, you know, we're speaking of the time that, uh, what's his name? Lucas. Lucas comes up to her apartment unbidden and drunk, Mm -hmm. kisses her unbidden and drunk, and then is summarily dismissed by her. And Frank sees all this and draws a conclusion that's wrong. Do you... But on the other hand, do you think he's – I mean, clearly he's not offended by her having a lover. Although, may, I don't know. There's there's always – even if you're in a relationship that's all hip and understanding and open, there's always still some kind of ego and jealousy to, to navigate. But yeah. do you think there's – is there any of that tension? Do you think he's a little insulted that she – even though he gave her the out, that she's still keeping her secrets? Do you think that that's more – that she's more endeared to him because the, that she's doing that, or uh, well, maybe one of the one of the secrets that he's keeping is that he is doing exactly what he says and manipulating her at this point. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, like I said, I have not had much time to think about it. About five minutes. Okay. So, I'm not sure. Uh, why don't we talk about some of the other plot points that happen here? Um, Pete is. Can we start with the to... vice president because that's the sure. shortest yeah, yeah. one we can just. And uh, it's just right like the front. just like yep. the president, we can give him lip service and brush him off. Okay. Do I get a pin? Uh, no. Shit. Uh, the vice president um is increasingly chafing under his role in the administration, which is basically a guy who kisses babies and opens department stores. He's not consulted on policy. He's not even. And and he has got a point there. He's not even consulted about who will replace him in his own state. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then Frank uses that, and he tries to play the sympathy card. Like, oh, I feel you. And, like, they should have talked to you. I can't believe they didn't. And tries to win his endorsement for yeah, basically, Rousseau I'm, as a governor. Yeah, I'm bringing you in on the ground floor. we got this Pete Russo. I think you like him. We ne- and, and he needs him to stump for him. Yeah. Um, so he's basically flattering him by including him into the process because he needs him. Yeah. So he's showing some form of generosity to the vice president, uh, in order to probably manipulate him later. Like, I don't know what his end game is here with the vice president and with Russo. Um, but I suppose we'll see more on that later. Uh, but it shows just how kind of vain the vice president is because he takes Terry Womack's spot on, on the press conference, which is kind of like, come on. He, after Vasquez just basically pants him uh-huh. in a private meeting, he gets up and then says, I didn't ever get my pin. I mean, it's just so, it's so unbelievably petty. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of can see where he's coming from with standing next to the president because remember a couple, like, Maybe first episode. Um, oh yeah, when the president is giving During his inauguration. inaugural address. Right. Yeah, uh, Kevin Spacey's making a big deal about who's off the center of the frame, like looking at the camera, waving. No, certainly it's. I'm. I'm not saying that. It. I'm not saying it's not important. I'm saying the way he went about it is petty. Oh, absolutely. Like Frank right. would have maneuvered <laughs> and made sure things made to where he was. He had that spot legitimately. Yeah. He yeah. wouldn't have pulled some Bush League bullshit by just basically rolling up strong against the secretary. Oh, and can you imagine if he had taken Frank's spot oh my God. instead of Lomax's spot? Next episode would be about a revenge plot on the vice president. <laughs> yeah, he would have, like I said, he... He would have uh, put a pin on his forehead and pounded it through with his shoe <laughs> like so many cork bottles or co- corks and bottles. 
Um, but this kind of segues into we finally had a acknowledgement, a lampshading of the issue, which is someone outside of uh, you know us, the audience, ask, "Why do you have such a hard on for Pete Russo?" Yeah, and instead of being caught flat-footed, he actually was able to immediately launch into the campaign, which is like, well, I'll tell you why. He's young, and he's ambitious, and he's had a uh, history of drug abuse and alcohol. And, you know, we have already we already know that. We're embracing it. The polling says that people support uh, underdog and winner, especially in this state. And uh, so it seems like, uh, as Frank says, he's using a lot of his influence and political capital that he gained from the education pill for Pete. Do we know to why what yet? end? Yeah, I, I don't think we know why yet. Hmm. I don't think so. And I, like I said, it's been a year since I've seen the show, and I'm finding I'm I'm really having a hard time remembering how all this connects into yeah. Frank's overall, you know, scheme of vengeance <laughs> and personal advancement. Yeah, there are a lot of pieces that are moved around before he finally gets to his end goal. So, all right. Um, so let's talk about a little bit about Zoe. Um, we find that Zoe she confronts Frank. She's now got access. This is kind of unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That a fucking up jump blogger would get access to the Oval Office, yeah, uh, where there's probably only room for maybe ten journalists. Yeah, I think you're gonna have your CNNs and your NBCs. Yeah, and... Slugline, no, the that, Drudge no. Report is not going to be there. I, I mean, <laughs> does Politico even have a yeah. correspondent in the White House? I no, it's like like is there a Huffington? Well, even if they do, like I I have no doubt they've got people in the press corps that go to the White House press, but a signing in the Oval Office, Oval Office is tiny. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 30 foot across at long ways. So there's just not that many people for a historic bill signing. Sure. Um but whatever, regardless, the, she's there. <laughs> um and we already talked about how his his meditation on generosity and its own form of power, but she applies mm-hmm. that to Janine. Yeah, um, which I actually I like this. As, yeah, because Zoe's learning very well. She's taking a story that she sees as kind of a puff piece and something less desirable, not very edgy, and she's like, "Oh uh-huh. well, I've got straight lace, stick up her ass, Janine. I can feed her this story that she'll think is like sexy. Yeah, and I can help her parlay that into a job, uh, you know, a job offering with Slugline, and you know, keep her close by her side so that when she needs the favor returned, mm-hmm. she'll be there to return it. And it ingratiates her into her boss at Slugline because, as much as she hates the establishment, the you know, the, it's always flattering when the establishment comes to you. Sure. And and the legitimacy that that's going to lead lend to her is probably att- attractive as well. Also, think about this: she okay. was not super thrilled to be in the white house right so she brings janine on who was the white house correspondent mm-hmm. at the washington herald she's probably naturally going to take that place which frees zoe up to do whatever she wants uh right on um so now are we ready to get to the main there's only one other subplot okay that's involving Pete. stamper and oh, the yeah, yeah. Uh, prostitute rachel right okay let's talk about that so she's that's the one that he uh, bought off for ten thousand dollars in blowjob money. She comes mm-hmm. back with a black eye, says she wants out of her life. Yeah. So th- he finds out about this in an interesting way. He's snooping around in Rousseau's office, and he sees a letter from her, right? Mm-hmm. That says, "Hey, I need more money, not in my mouth this time." Wait, 
that wasn't in Russo's office. That I'm pretty sure that was... That was in Stamper's office? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, that never mind. Because it was addressed to him, how would it get to okay. Pete's office, yeah. I thought it was in Pete's office. Never right. mind. Well, they all use giant fucking Mac displays, <laughs> so it's an easy mistake to make. But sure. yeah, anyway. Um, con- okay, so she has a black eye. Says she wants out of her life. Why does he help her? As opposed to, I guess, killing her. <laughs> uh, so I feel like the point of the AA storyline here with Stamper and his problems uh, with alcohol in the past was to show that he has been down and out. Uh, and so helping this girl is not out of character for him. I think he sees a potential situation that he could help with. Mm. And he just, I mean, I, I commented during the episode, he's the assassin with the heart of gold. Like he's doing all this dirty work for uh, Frank Underwood. And yet, you know, he's got the side of him, which wants to help people. And he must be, I mean, I feel like he has to have some, because he's talking about and during the speech in the AA where he's like, fuck the zero. Uh, you know, he's got 5,000 some days of sobriety and he's been working on it. And he's his meditation on fear and how he has to make people feel fear, which he acknowledges is bad, but it's for a greater good mm-hmm. because it has, it, things have to get done. Yeah, he uses his fear, he, uh, his fear to help him, he views it as a tool. But he also views it as a tool to manipulate others into getting the greater good done. So I feel like yeah. he's ideologically motivated, you know? He thinks education does need to be reformed, and things need to change, and uh, and also maybe he sees this as if if he can help the country be better that maybe this is some penance for whatever sins that he has from his past where he was an alcoholic and he probably hurt people and yeah and also this is the best way to deal with this girl right i mean he tried to go to the police commissioner to get money from his campaign to pay her off right Uh, he refused so now he doesn't have the money he doesn't want to link frank to it by taking money from his campaign so any more than he already is, because already the, the Rachel knows enough to probably cause a lot of uncomfortable questions. Yeah, so he needs to deal with her, and in order to deal with her, he's being nice to her. He's showing her generosity. You know, that's his power game? over her. So now he's at the by the end of the episode, he's basically put her in storage mm-hmm. over at Nancy, who is the uh, Frank Underhill's uh, staff secretary, puts her up in her room in her daughter's old bedroom. Yeah. Um, what's what's the end game though? I mean, that's just that's just temporary. He still needs to find a permanent solution. And also, true. Yeah. How would how would ten thousand dollars? What do you think his plan is? Well, to get her set I, up in some apartment. Some. I other think part it was to just pay her off with ten grand. But then that fell through. So now he's got to come up with another plan. Mm, I don't know that he would have, because if you pay, I don't think he would do that because i think if he paid him off again yeah she just comes come back later so the ten thousand dollars is to an end and i don't remember what it was and i don't see quite where it's going but i i'm imagining that we'll see her again yeah probably so the meat of the episode pete Uh russo's campaign yeah um we already see a lot of signs here of pete being too brittle for this sure Um, At, at one point in the episode he's ready to quit before christina comes in and saves the day um what do you this uh what do you call this guy's role the guy who's the confessioner the the vetter the dirt finder i don't know uh i I just pete feels too arrogant like he talks to doug about um you know i don't believe in god and i think this is all bullshit and you know doug's trying to say like look you don't have to believe but you need to believe in something bigger than yourself and things that you can't control like alcoholism 
And Pete still seems to be smug. And, you know, when, when Doug offers to pay for his breakfast, he's got this really smug look on his face. Then I felt like it was interesting. Um, they framed him sitting on a couch on the sidelines watching as everyone discussed the things that he was doing. Uh-huh. And it felt like that he didn't like that. Um, that he felt like he wasn't the center. Like all, all these things were going around that he had no control over. Um, I just are are there? There's flashing red danger lights here with him, right? Yeah, yeah. I I wonder. I don't know what the twelve steps are. I wonder if some of those are played out here in the episode on purpose. Mm. Um, because he certainly feels powerless. You know, sitting on that couch with all these people swarming right. around him, controlling his life. Right. Uh, I don't know whether he admits that or not. Um, I don't know. But by the end, he certainly uh, has accepted. His role. I mean, do you think he would have a problem admitting there's a higher power? I mean, he's met Frank Underwood and his, you know, imposing crotch. <laughs> he could just he uh-huh. could just treat that as his higher power. Sure. The spider. The spider. Um But yeah, I mean a lot of it is uh there was we kind of freeze frame in some of the uh, guy's official, the the dirt finders official reports. Um these like clinical descriptions of how many people he had sex with. And like, there's one that's like, you know, candy age 27 <laughs> twin sister of Amy Tiffany, or Tiffany, Tiffany age, uh, twin sister ca- uh, candy. Um, there was some kind of throwaway things. If you want to, uh, pause and, and, uh, view that, but it seems like the, so the dirt finder said, well, yeah, we found some things, but nothing we couldn't sweep under the rug. But yet he also, seems to admit that Pete was very evasive and, and not forthcoming with everything too. So yeah. like, what the hell is Frank doing back in this guy? Again, we don't really know. Well, he certainly thinks he can shape him into what he wants him to be. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really think we're not meant to know exactly why Frank is so gung ho about Rousseau right now. Um, certainly if he gets him into the governor's office, in Pennsylvania, he can pull whatever strings he needs to with Pete. I mean, Pete's going to be more, uh, I guess, owing to Frank than ever before after this, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe he's just after that kind of power grab and the influence that it'll it'll have over Pennsylvania. This interview with Janine is supposed to be something that recontextualizes and you know reboots his fresh start, but. I don't think he had like a smugness and artificiality about it that she, you know, she's a, she's a smart person Mm -hmm. and perceptive and it looks like she wasn't buying it herself. Do you think in next episode, and this is an honest question because I honestly don't remember. (laughs) Do you think that this slug line write up is going to be everything that Frank and Pete hope it is? Or do you think it's going to be more of assassination piece? Because my thought right now Mm. is that this is going to turn out not very flattering. Yeah, I could. I mean, she's I, gonna she's gonna report what he said, but also her own opinion about about why he was saying it, or if yeah, or, or whether it was, it was actually true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's certainly the more interesting way to go hmm. than it just being a puff piece, you know. Okay. Uh, who else do we have? We don't have much with uh, uh, Claire's Claire gotten this time. Claire's right? making origami. Yeah, uh, she has taken up the hobbies of the homeless. <laughs> and apparently Russo's kids have taken up those hobbies as well. Uh, and she, there was a little bit of light bonding with uh, uh, Peter and uh, Claire. Mm-hmm. 
but not 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 a lot. Um, Claire at one point just expresses dismay that she spent six weeks on this uh, Clearwater uh, watershed a bill and that Pete is going to like back out of the whole damn thing. But yeah, there's just not a whole lot, not, not a whole lot more there with Claire. If you've enjoyed our show, please help us get our new house of cards podcast launched in style by rating, reviewing and subscribing on iTunes. You can also support us by using our Amazon affiliate link. When you shop online, just go to amazon.ballmove.com and we'll get a tiny cut of Amazon's profits from whatever you buy on that session. Best of all, they cost you nothing. And be sure to tell your friends, family, and coworkers about Bald Move. Check out our website for all our other great television coverage for Game of Thrones, Mad Men, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad, and Downton Abbey, and all of our great pop culture casts like Personal Arrogance and The Because Show. Keep up with the latest on Twitter at Bald Move and on Facebook.com slash Bald Move. And don't forget to join us on Valentine's Day weekend starting Saturday, February 14th for our coverage of Season 2 of House of Cards. See you next time.